Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Okay, uh, humor me for a minute. Reach, reach back into your childhood a little bit. I know for some of us, the, the reach is, is backer than it is for others. But like, reach back into your childhood. Who was your favorite like, superhero? Cartoon character, kind of comic book person, just kind of think it through. Was it, was it Batman, Spider-Man, Wonder Woman, Black Panther? Like, like, you know, there's all these movies that are out now, all these, all these comic book movies that are being made. Who was your favorite? I asked that. Some of you are looking at me like, I was never that immature. Yes, you were. Think about it for a minute. Like, you, you got one for me? Superman. That was the one. Like, I can go back to just being a really little kid, and I'd go over to my grandma's house, and on TV would be these old, old reruns from the 1950s of the old Superman show in the 50s. Anybody remember that? Anybody remember that? I remember I was watching, you remember that? I was watching that, and I was like, man, I like Superman. And so I had the action figures. I had the, the comic books. I knew, I was kind of a little bit of a Superman nerd. I knew all the different colors kryptonite would come in and the effect each one of them would have on Superman. If I ever had to save him, I would know what to do. And I even had my mom at that time in my life, I'm not super proud of this, but my mom made me a Superman costume. There are pictures of it out there that will never see the light of day, okay? <laughs> Just for the record. But I, why? I asked myself, why? Why was I so, as a kid, infatuated with Superman? Why is it that there are millions of dollars being spent every weekend to go see one of these superhero movies? What is it about it? Because there's something in that story of somebody that's different than us, somebody who has ability that we don't have, somebody who can do what we can't do, somebody, we love this story of somebody who comes and rescues us. There's something about that that is a powerful, powerful story that sticks and kind of resonates with each one of us. Today, we're gonna look at a a passage of scripture on this Easter Sunday. We're gonna look at the very first Easter sermon. It's in Acts chapter two. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. It's a sermon that Peter preached. Peter was one of the uh, apostles, one of the followers of Jesus. And he preached this sermon 50 days after Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. So in the Bible, it's the first sermon we get after the first Easter. So in my mind, this is the first Easter sermon. And he preaches this to a crowd of people in the city of Jerusalem on a festival day there. It's a day that was called the the Day of Pentecost. And people had come from all over the world, and there were also a lot of people there from Jerusalem. So you got to picture this. He's preaching this. Most likely, he's preaching it on the steps of the temple. He's, he's telling them this story, and he wants them to get this. And many of them were from Jerusalem. Many of them maybe had heard Jesus teach. Some of them had maybe seen him do miracles in the temple. It's quite possible that, that some of them were there when Jesus was crucified, So as you you read this, as we hear this, you'll know that they're somewhat familiar with the story. And so on this day, on the very first Easter sermon being preached, here's what Peter says. Now, the sermon itself is 26 verses long. So we're not going to look at all 26 verses today because lunch is coming. Can I get an amen? We're only going to look at three of the verses, but I feel like these three kind of condense the message. Acts chapter 2, verse 23, Peter's preaching, first Easter sermon. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, 
with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. In those three verses, Peter preaches this, this first Easter sermon. So here's what I want to do today. I want to look at each one of those verses because I think in each one, Peter gives to us, maybe, maybe you'd call it like a point to his sermon. One, one thing that he's trying to emphasize as he preaches this. And so we're going to look at these three points in Peter's sermon and see what we can learn from the very first Easter sermon. Go back to verse 22. Let's, let's review that one so we'll remember what Peter said. He said, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. Here's the, the first thing that I, that I hope you'll see about this story from the first Easter sermon. Number one is that Jesus' life was not just any other life. When we look at the story of Jesus, when we see about his life, when we understand the way that he lived, we recognize that his life was not just any other life. There was something uniquely different about him. And Peter points this out. He says, look, Jesus was a man who was, he uses interesting language, accredited to you by God. So, so God approved him. God pointed this out, and the way he did it was through miracles and through signs and through wonders. Jesus did these things that were supernatural, and when he did, other people saw them, and they were drawn to him. They're like, what's going on here? How do we understand this? Because Jesus was different. And he says that it was God at work through Jesus among them, which shows us what was so special about Jesus' life. God demonstrated his presence through Jesus' life. He let his presence, his, his very self be known through Jesus. Now, I know that today is Easter, it's not Christmas, but if, if you go back and listen to a Christmas sermon, one of the things we almost always mention at Christmas is that Jesus was known as Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's who he came to be. His very presence was bringing God to us so that we could know and experience him. So that's why Peter uses words like that, that God did these things among you through him. He was an expression of God's presence to us and in a powerful way. One of the people who was with Jesus through the, the whole time of his ministry was a guy named John, who was another one of his disciples. John wrote a book about this in the, in the New Testament, the Gospel of John. And near the end of his book, as he was wrapping it up, he said this in verse 20, chapter 30, that Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Remember, remember that phrase, because we're going to come back to that a few times in this message. Remember, you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Why, why would he do these signs and wonders? Well, those verses tell us that the reason he did it is so that when you would see the signs and wonders, you would believe. You'd say, look, there's something special about him. And then you'd put your trust in him, and then by believing, you could have the life that could only come through Jesus. So this is why he did those things. But that, that raises a bit of a troubling question. Because odds are that you and I will, will probably never see Jesus in a, in a physical form in this life, do signs and wonders. So how are we supposed to believe? We've seen his fingerprints all over history. But we have to wrestle with a, with a really important question. In fact, for some of you, it's, it's at the very heart, I think, of why God has you 
hearing this message today, what do you believe about Jesus? For you, if you had to confront that question just on your own, what do you believe about Jesus? Some of you would say, well, Chad, I'd rather not think about that. Because if I have to think about who Jesus was, then I'm also going to have to think about who Jesus is. And who he is may mean that something has to change in my life. So I'd, I'd rather not think about it. And yet at this time of year, it seems like every year the whole world turns their attention, at least for a few days, to who Jesus is. Because it shows up in, on, in TV news programs, and you see it online, and you see it on magazine covers. Who is Jesus? Did he live? Did he really exist? Have you seen that? They always ask these questions this time of year, right? Why is that? Because we're fascinated, and we have to deal with the question, what do you believe about Jesus? I think if you ask that, there's, there's two things that we have to kind of wrestle with. One is this, was Jesus real? Like, did, did he ever even really exist? Was there really a man named Jesus? And here's what you'll find. Even by looking outside the Bible, if you look at historical literature, what you will find is at the, at the beginning of the first century, there was a man who was born. He came from a town called Nazareth. His name was Jesus. He lived a remarkable life that influenced people for centuries after that. There, there's, there's no doubt there was a real Jesus who lived. Now, a lot of people will, will want to challenge that and question that, but the proof is there. There was a man named Jesus. So the question we have to ask beyond that then is not just, was Jesus real? But this may be the more tricky question. Was Jesus special? Like, was he just another guy? Or, or what do we do with him? Because some people will look at Jesus and kind of go, well, he was a good person. Like historically, we look at his life, we look at the story, we look at the, the things that have come out of his life, and Jesus was a good person. Some people even go, he wasn't just a good person, he was a good teacher. And that's cool because if he was a good teacher, then I have the things that he taught and I can learn from those things. And I can pick things out that I like. In fact, I really like if he's a good teacher because if that's all he is is a good teacher, then I can take his teaching and, and pick what I like out of it and I can choose what I like and leave behind the things I don't like. And I just follow him because Jesus was just a good teacher. A lot of people will say that, think that about him. He's just another one of those good teachers. And there's been many of them over the centuries. That's who Jesus is. Other people will say just the opposite, though. Some people will say Jesus was a good teacher. Other people might say Jesus was a false teacher. That he was actually just a hoax or a charlatan. And that he taught these things about himself that were these these lies that he told, and he, he, he gathered a bunch of weak-willed people around him, and he led them as this kind of band of followers, and for centuries, there have continued to be people all throughout the world who have followed this false teacher. You know, there's some people that say that about Jesus. That's what they believe about him. There's even other people who, who would say, well, it's not that he was a good teacher or a false teacher. Some people will say, he's just crazy. <laughs> like, there was this guy that lived named Jesus, and he actually thought that he was from God. He had, and maybe have you ever heard this term, a Messiah complex? Have you ever heard that term? Somebody who thinks there's something special about them. They have this kind of delusion. And there are people who actually believe that that's, that's who Jesus was. You, you have to wrestle with this question. What was it that was special about Jesus? That's why Peter begins his sermon this way. Because remember who he's talking to. He's talking to people, many of whom who had actually seen Jesus in operation. Like he watched them. He knew that these people had, had heard Jesus' teaching, maybe even were there when he died. And he's wanting them to know, look, Jesus was a life unlike any other because you know who they thought he was? 
They looked at Jesus and said, oh, it's just another one of those revolutionaries. Just another guy who's trying to, to stir up a bunch of Jewish people to come against Rome. See, earlier that century, after the death of King Herod the Great, there was this kind of this rise of insurgents, one after the other, who wanted to pull together the Jewish people so that they'd get their own kind of little personal army or personal band of followers, and they would make these big promises. They'd make a lot of noise and say that they were going to set the Jewish people free from Roman oppression. And the people looked at Jesus and said, he's just another one of these false messiahs. He's just another one of these guys who thinks he's going to make a difference. But now he's dead, so what does it matter? He's gone. That part's over. The truth is, each one of us have to ask this question. Not just the, the people in the first century, but you've got to ask it. What do you believe about Jesus? Because what you believe about Jesus matters. Because it makes a difference in our lives. Which leads us to the second thought that, that Peter comes to. It's not just his life. Jesus lived a life unlike any other life. But look at the second thing. Acts chapter 2, verse 23. Peter goes on with his story and he says this. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Here's the second point of Peter's message. Number two, Jesus' death was not just any other death. Not only was his life not just any other life, but his death wasn't just any other death. And it's interesting because Peter puts these people right on the spot. He knows that some of them were there. And he says, look, Jesus was crucified. He was nailed to a cross by wicked people, and you were there. You helped them. You, you, you actually, in a certain sense, he says, took part in this. He wants them to own a little bit of this and see how terrible this thing was that happened. And he wants them to know that Jesus' death was unlike any other death. And here's the reason why. Listen to the language he uses. He says that this happened because wicked people crucified Jesus according to God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. Seems like two different things there, right? That wicked people did it, but it was a part of God's plan. Sometimes we have to ask, how does that work? Look, these wicked people were the ones who carried it out. It was their evil intentions. And yet God allowed it. He not only allowed it, but he used it to accomplish his plan. He took something really bad and made something really good out of it. And don't miss this, right? What happened when Jesus was crucified? We call that day Good Friday. Was it a good thing that happened? It was a bad thing. It was a horrible thing. The only reason it was good is because it was so bad that it brought something good to us, which is so key. Look at this, and, and this is important for your life. God demonstrated his plan through Jesus' death. And God is able to take something that's really bad and use it to do something good, which some of you need to hear. Because I, I know it's Easter, and I know we celebrate, and we're excited about not just Jesus' resurrection, but you've probably got a chocolate bunny on your mind. Can I get an amen? Like, there's, there's things like that that are in your brain, but, but, after the service and after the lunch and after the bunny, there's, there may still be something bad that's right there in front of you. Bad's just a simple way to say your finances or your health or your family or your school or your job or your depression, or your fear, or your uncertainty. Like there's this thing and you're just going, God, I, I, I don't know what exactly to do with this thing. 
And you've got to recognize, don't miss this critical part of the story that God can use what is bad to accomplish what is good. Know this, that before you can have a resurrection, you first have to have a death. And sometimes that's, that's hard to see when you're in the middle of the bad, but in the middle of the bad, remember that that's often how God gets us to the thing that's good. And yet there's no joy in this. Listen to what Peter says. Peter says they put him to death. That's it. Like that, that's final. There's, there's nothing more final that, that, that stopped things in the way that death does. And it wasn't just death. He says they put him to death by nailing him to a cross. 2,000 years removed, it, it's hard for us to fully understand this, but know this, when they describe Jesus' death like that, Jesus died a shocking death, right? Crucifixion, it's, it's worse than, than we can imagine, worse than what we've seen in the movies or read about. The Romans had perfected execution, and they found the most excruciating way for someone to die so that, that every part of your body was in pain. And with everything that was in you, you were suffering. And this wasn't this merciful killing that happened quickly. This was execution where they could control how long it would go. They would do whatever they wanted to you. They could make you suffer. Jesus died a shocking death, and it was a shameful death. Look, we, we, we reverence the cross in a unique way, but you gotta rewind this 2,000 years. Jesus died a shameful death. To be crucified, there was no pride in that. If, if one of your, your loved ones, your family members was crucified, that was nothing but embarrassment and shame. So realize that this wasn't just this simple story. A lot of times we kind of just put Jesus on the cross, but he died a shocking death. It was a shameful death, but this is what I hope you'll really get today. Jesus died a saving death. That when he died, man, that, that changed everything. Paul the apostle, and this, this is later in the book of Acts, and we've, we've been working our way through the book of Acts on Sunday mornings here at Calvary, and, and, and so if you fast forward to chapter 13, there's a sermon that Paul's preaching, and he says this, and I love this language, he says, therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Do you see what he says here? Because this is powerful. He says, what you can't do on your own, what you can't find by yourself, when Jesus died, he brought that to you. And he uses interesting words. He talks about freedom. And he talks about forgiveness. And those words matter because some of us know what it means to not have those things. To not have freedom in our lives. To not know forgiveness. Because in our minds or in our hearts or, or in our spirits, we keep going back to the same things over and over again. What happened in our past, what was done to us, what we did, the choices we made, not sure what to do about the future. And these things come and they get a hold of us. And what we need in our lives is God's freedom and God's forgiveness. Earlier this month, there was a, they're a dating couple in their late 20s, live in a suburb of Phoenix, Arizona. And for whatever reason, I don't know all the details of it, for whatever reason, they went to a gas station and they were shoplifting. So they stole some stuff, and in the process, they got busted. And, and, and again, I don't know all the specifics, but somehow they found themselves in a foot chase where the police were coming after them. 
So they're running. The police are chasing them. They got to figure out what to do to get away from uh, the fact that they don't want to get caught, right? And as they're running, all of a sudden they see this fence and they say to themselves, if we can get over this fence, the police won't know where we are. We can run away from them and this is our ticket out of here. And so they both jump over the fence. In the process of jumping over the fence, they failed to read the sign on the fence that says property of the police department. Literally, they jumped right into the very thing that they were trying to run away from. Ever felt that way? Ever felt like you're trying to push your way through life? You're trying to get past something, and it just keeps coming right back. That same fear, that same temptation, that same doubt, that same insecurity, that same uncertainty, that same shame, that same you, you fill in the blank. And Jesus died a saving death so that you and I could have freedom and forgiveness. That's why we call him our savior, because his death on the cross brings to us forgiveness. And look, if, if you need that, if you sense that, 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 that desire in your heart to be forgiven, to be set free, look, Jesus did that for you when he died on the cross, because Jesus lived a life unlike any other life, and Jesus died a death unlike any other death. And what's interesting, though, is that for a lot of us, he's, he's still on that cross. It's very final the way Peter says it. He says that they put him to death. That's, that's like, in most stories, that's the end. You're, you're dead, you're done. And some of us leave Jesus there, right? Whether, whether it's because maybe it's something to do with our, our faith tradition in the past, maybe it's an image that we have in our mind that every time we think of Jesus, the way we think of him is on a cross, Maybe for some of us, we know that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and then we just, we just leave him there. We're like, thanks, Jesus, that you paid the price for my sins. Now I've got it from here, and I'll take over my life from this point on. When the truth is, there's a whole lot more to the story than just Jesus on the cross. Because when Peter preached his sermon, he didn't stop there. He said that Jesus lived a life different from any other life. He, he died a death different from any other death. And then I want you to see this, this third thing that he talks to us about. Acts chapter two, verse 24. And look at what he says. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Number three, third point in Peter's sermon, Jesus' resurrection was the turning point of human history. He lived a life unlike any other life. He died a death unlike any other death. But his resurrection, that's, that's the turning point. That's where it all changed. I want to show you a picture. This is a guy whose name is Constantin Relu. And 63 years old, doesn't look very happy in that picture, does he? I'll tell you why. 1992, so what's that, 26 years ago? 1992, Constantin decides to leave his home country of Romania and go to Turkey because he heard that he could get work there. So he leaves his home country in Romania. He goes to Turkey. He finds work there. He lives there up until earlier this year. And while he's there, somehow the Turkish authorities catch up to him, find out he doesn't have the proper paperwork, that he's living there illegally, and they deport him back to Romania. Now, I understand the whole process, but somehow when he gets back to Romania, as they're like, you know, checking him in or whatever, they find out and, and the, like at first they even kind of joked with him. They're like, well, sir, here's the problem. You don't exist because you're dead. And they produced a death certificate that he had died. Well, he had to do some research to find out why. Here's where the story gets interesting. Constantine 
left Romania for Turkey in 1992. The last that he contacted his family was 1993. Let me make that clear. The last that he contacted his wife was 1993. Some of you ladies are ticked right now, right? That's the last. And so he just kind of started his own life in Turkey. At some point, his wife got fed up with this. She actually assumed that he had died because there was no communication. And so she went to the authorities because she was like, I'm getting on with my life. And she has him declared dead. So in 2016, they issue him a death certificate because Constantine seems to be dead until he shows up again. And they're like, well, sir, you're dead. He's like, well, what do I do? Well, they say you have to go through an appeals process. So he goes through the appeals process. It's funny, isn't it? It's funny. Goes through the appeals process, shows up in court. He's like, I know this is my death certificate, but I'm right here. Here's what they said. Well, sir, we know that this says you are dead and you're very much alive, but the time limit to refute this has already passed. So you're dead to us. And dude's all ticked off because he's like, I can't get a job. I I can't do anything because on paper, I'm dead. I don't exist. To which I say, should have called your wife. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Right, I think that's, that's the moral of the story. Guys, call your wives. Interesting story though at Easter, right? Because we got this story of a guy that people think is dead when he's actually alive, except Such a different story. Why is it that people think that Constantine is dead? Because he didn't do what was right. Why do people think that Jesus died? Well, I can tell you why Jesus died on the cross, because he never did anything wrong. He lived a perfect life. Now you've got this guy who is very much alive, but people think he's dead. And in Jesus' case, you've got a guy who was very dead, and Jesus brought him back to life. And this this is where the whole story hinges on this, that it's the turning point of history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And yet we, we read this story, and when Peter tells us the story, he says, they put him to death. And then he uses language that I don't want you to miss, because there's one little three-letter word right there at the beginning of Acts chapter 2, verse 24, where he says, but, they put him to death, but God brought him back to life. God raised him from the dead. And you don't just read that in Acts chapter 2, verse 24. If you go to Acts chapter 3, and you go to Acts chapter 10, and you go to Acts chapter 13, what you'll see is that over and over and over again, when the early church was preaching, they preached about the cross, they preached about what Jesus did, and then when he died, and then they took a deep breath, and word for word, in all four of those instances, the preacher said, but God raised him from the dead. He was dead, but God changed it. And for some of you, That's huge. You want to know why? Because the God that took what was impossible and made it possible 2,000 years ago is the same God who takes what's impossible and makes it possible today. And some of you need to be encouraged that there are these, there's these but God moments in your life where you go, I thought this was that. And God says, yeah, but God can do this. And but God can make the impossible possible. He can bring hope to the hopeless. That's why we showed you that story of Anthony and Rebecca earlier, because we wanted you to hear what God can do in a life when you look to him. Romans chapter eight, verse 11, powerful passage. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Don't miss the point of this story. God demonstrated his power through Jesus' resurrection. Those, um, those superhero stories, the, the comic book hero movies, 
just about every time you, you, reach this, you reach this one point in the story where your hero is down and out and where it looks like the situation is hopeless, right? Isn't that every movie? Right? You come to that point. And when you get to that point, you, you, you have this thing in your heart where you're like, oh no, what are they gonna do? You know it's gonna end out okay, right? But you're still like, I don't, what's gonna happen here? And then at some point, the hero steps up and maybe they use their superpowers and the whole story changes. And we, we like that. We like that part of the story. So what was it that, that happened to Jesus? Because remember the language? Peter says it was impossible for death to hold him back. What was it that made it so impossible? I can tell you this. It's because Jesus is the author of life. Acts chapter three, verse 15 says that Jesus is the author of life. He created everything. We heard that in that song that we, that we heard earlier, that, that Jesus created everything. And if he created everything as the author of life, then death has no power over him, which also means that he created you and that you matter to him. But let's take it one further step. He's not just the author of life. Jesus is the victor over death. He's the one who, who conquers death. How is it that he can defeat death? Well, listen to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Understand this. Jesus' life was different than any other life, and his death was different than any other death, because when he died, he'd never sinned. And because he'd never sinned, death had no power over him. And so when death came knocking, Jesus cleaned house. Amen? And he changed everything. Because he's the author of life, he's the victor over death. And here's what I want you to not miss. Jesus is the Messiah. It means the one that's come to save us. The one that's come to rescue us. When I, when I was a kid, and I was all into Superman, I knew this that no matter how much I knew or how many stories I saw or how much I, I thought about Superman, no matter how good I looked in that costume, out of all those things, I knew this, that if I was in trouble, Superman wasn't ever gonna come and help me because Superman wasn't real. And I worry sometimes that, that in, our, in, our, in our day and time, and I don't have a problem with comic books or movies. I don't have a problem with any of that. My, my concern is this, that sometimes we get comic book confusion and we start to think that in the same way that Superman or Spider-Man or Wonder Woman is just kind of a made-up figure, that maybe Jesus is just a made-up figure, that we don't let him be real in our lives, when the truth is he's very real. He lived a very real life unlike any other. And he died a very real death unlike any other. But after that death, he rose again. And the power with which he came and that he lives changes everything. So you can know his life and you can know that resurrection power. And he can be your savior, the one who brings you freedom and forgiveness. And he can be your Lord, the one who guides your life through the bad times when you need those but God moments to show up in your life. He's the one that can do that. And some of you know that. That's why you're here today. That's why you celebrate his resurrection. Others of you, at one point, you were right with God. Now you're kind of far from him for, for whatever reason. You, you heard it in Rebecca's story earlier. And he's saying to you, look, you, you can find me again as your Savior and Lord. And maybe for some of you, this, this is all brand new stuff. You're like, man, I, I've never really thought about this before. I, I don't want to stretch the analogy too far. But what if you made Jesus your hero? What if you look to him to be the one to save you? Because I can tell you that'll make all the difference. <laughs>
So in just a minute, I'm, I'm going to ask you to stand, and Veronica's going to lead us in the song that we started the service with. And it says that love has a name, victory has a name, joy has a name, hope has a name, and that name is Jesus. And it's possible that, that you say, man, I, I came in here needing that love and victory and hope and joy. I'll tell you, you can find it in him. And as we sing this, would you open up your heart to let Jesus make a difference in your life? In fact, would you stand with me, please? God, as we sing this song, Lord, would you speak to our hearts? God, would you help us to hear from you? We thank you that in you there's hope and victory and joy. We praise you, God. Peter preaches this sermon, right? End of chapter two. And he gets to the end and the people say, what do we do? Like, like the service, the, the sermon you just preached to us, what do we do with this? And Jesus says, if you'll believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. You'll find him as your savior. You'll find him as your Lord. You, you'll find that peace. You'll find that freedom and that forgiveness and that hope. That's, that's the end of the sermon. And I can tell you that's the end of Peter's sermon. And, and that may be the beginning for some of you here today. But maybe you're here and you'd say, I need that forgiveness and that freedom. I need him as my savior. And I need that guidance, even in the midst of the, the, the bad stuff that's going on in my life. And I need him to be my Lord. And it's as easy as saying, Jesus, I believe in you. In fact, in fact, uh, the Bible tells us that if, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And for some of you, that, that's exactly where you are today. You're in a room full of people who not only have experienced God's freedom and forgiveness and his grace, but we will celebrate with you when you do. And for some of you, there's no better time than today for you to express your desire to believe, your desire to follow Jesus, your desire to serve him. So here's simply what I'm going to ask you to do. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you that if you're here today and you say, I need to begin 
where I need to begin again a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I need him to be my savior and my Lord. I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand. It's a very simple thing, but it's an act of faith to express and say, God, I put my trust, my confidence. I know, Jesus, that your life, death, and resurrection are different than any others, and I put my faith and I believe in you. And you're in a room full of people who have done that, that as you raise your hands, other people are gonna clap and celebrate with you. And so if you're here today, and you would say, I need to begin or begin again a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Would you just raise your hand, kind of right where you are? Yeah, awesome. Can we celebrate with them today? Awesome, very cool. That's awesome. So here's, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. If you know Jesus is your Savior and Lord, or if today you wanna begin that relationship with him, would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus, for sending your Son to die for my sin. I ask today that you'd forgive my sin, change my life. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. Be my savior, be my Lord. I believe in you today in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, look, if, if you prayed that prayer today, especially if you prayed it for the first time, you, you'll find cards that look like this on all the racks as you're leaving the auditoriums. They say, I have decided. I hope you'll pick up one of these and stop by our connection center, kind of out in the atrium. I know it's easier to just kind of slip out and avoid this, but it's really important, I think, for you to stop by there, talk to somebody about your decision to follow Jesus. We have a Bible we want to give to you, want to encourage you and pray with you. Thank you for celebrating the resurrection with us today. Can I pray with you? Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the work that you do in our lives. Jesus, that your life, your death, your resurrection changed everything. So we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would allow the resurrection power of Jesus Christ to be at work in us as our Savior and as our Lord. Now, as we go from here, we ask that you'd go with us. God, would you send us out with your special favor, with your wonderful peace? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Happy Easter. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.